Felcher, host of the Kid Fun and More podcast on Word of Mom Radio. I've written several books on creative play for kids, including my latest, Kid Fun 401 Easy Ideas for Play. On our podcast, we'll talk to people who care about kids in many different ways. Experts, entrepreneurs, psychologists, parents, teachers, and others. While learning about their line of work and special interests, We'll also talk about their memories of fun they had when they were young. I'll also share a kid fun tip that we hope will enrich your experience with kids. And now it's time for our guest. Welcome to Kid Fun and More and to an incredible woman who has done so much to help children over the years. Ellen Sadalop is a licensed clinical and professional counselor who has worked with children from elementary to high school throughout her career. Dedicated to gifted students for many years and also specializing in suicide prevention, she has been a speaker at least 10 years at the Illinois Association for Gifted Children Conferences. She works virtually and is available for a private counseling business today. Hello, Ellen, how are you today? Hello, I'm fine. it's it's a little chilly here, but it's still sunny, so that's good. <laughs> and I'm talking to Ellen. She's in Chicago. I'm in New Jersey. So let's begin with what are the the issues that are unique to gifted, talented students? Okay. First of all, lots of times the students feel different. So many times, I should say, they feel different. And they have some difficulty socializing because they're feeling different. Sometimes they're bored and turned off because the material is not challenging to them. And sometimes students overachieve and sometimes they underachieve. Kids I I work with sometimes were overly sensitive and perceptive like old souls. And the reason why I say sometimes is because not everything applies to every child. And that's interesting that you said old souls. I guess they kind of have a sixth sense. Right. They are like wise beyond their years. Right. So when these kids go to school and when they're home and with their friends, like I guess they look at life a little bit differently. And why is it important to address the differences that come from children who are so talented and gifted, and sometimes there's problems related to it. It's difficult and it's challenging for sometimes for the teachers to deal with these students because sometimes they could disrupt the class. They think they know more than the teachers, and sometimes they do. But the kids need to be challenged and recognized and accepted and assisted in their in their learning rather than for people to get annoyed at, the, at their questions. Now, of course, it's up to the student to ask the questions respectfully and so forth. 
sometimes there's a disconnect between the teachers and the students in school. Now at home with siblings, uh, it depends on the on the uh, intelligence again of the siblings, and sometimes it's hard for them to get along with their siblings because they're in a different mode. And the expectations at home sometimes are so high because the intelligence is thought to be a predictor of all the behavior, and it isn't the intelligence sometimes has nothing to do with knowing coping skills or how to negotiate or how to heal deal with anger. So high expectations for these kids is is difficult because even though they're smart, it doesn't mean that they have other qualities to help them in those areas. I remember when I taught kindergarten, there was one little boy who was taller than everyone, and they just expected him to be a better athlete. And that was five-year-olds. But there were expectations on him, and I always felt bad about that. When you worked in the school system, did you help teachers handle it? Did you work with the students directly? I did both. I worked with the teachers. There were In this particular situation I was in, there were designated teachers to work with these kids. And the teachers welcomed me because they wanted to know how to best deal with, with the students and also to make the students aware of certain things about themselves and about their learning and so forth. So I would enjoy working with the teachers, but then I would really enjoy working with the students. And I worked a lot with students, either individually or in group, on a weekly basis. And uh, it was good because then the students who I worked with had things in common with the other students that if we did group work who were in their group. And it was very helpful in making friends because they would find people with similar interests and who thought like they did. That that seems like a really great advantage. You know, it's interesting. Doing public relations, a lot of my listeners know I also have a public relations business besides write books about kids. And I'm doing it for Avita, which right now is at Bucks County Playhouse in New Hope, Pennsylvania. It's an all-Latin cast, and I love the woman who's playing Avita, and she made a comment how it is so comforting to be with all Latins, and I heard that when they're on break from rehearsal, they're all speaking Spanish to each other, and that's their comfort level, so it seems very similar to what you're saying about gifted children or, you know, overly talented kids can connect more with each other. Exactly. And uh, they're so so uh, comforting to find other people who think like you and uh, act like you and who understand the way you see things. You told me that many intelligent students procrastinate with assignments. I wouldn't have expected that. Why is that? Well, the reason why, and it's very common. The reason why these students procrastinate is because they want to do it perfectly. So they keep putting their work off because it's, it's, not, um, they're, it's not perfect enough or the way they're thinking about it and they want to keep thinking about it. And so it happens that the timeline's going by and they're still thinking about it. And perfectionism comes into this because it makes it, you can never have it per- perfect, and yet they keep waiting 
to get the perfect idea or the perfect paper. And, oh, right. Yeah, and so it's um, it, it does seem to be a, a characteristic of a lot of gifted kids. That they're perfectionists and procrastinators at the same time. I think that expectations of oneself and like you were talking about, people expect more of their children. Right. That's almost unfair. You know, but we do it to ourselves. We do that every day in our life. We have certain expectations and then we get disappointed. Exactly. And um, there's so, human beings, you know. So if you're a parent, boy, this could be really challenging. Are there any tips of what to do and not to do? Sure. Um, one thing that was pretty prevalent in, uh, with parents is because their IQ was so high and they were uh, so maybe talented in other areas, their expectations, the parents' expectations were that they would never get anything less than an A and never make a mistake and, you know, and that when it came to doing schoolwork, that they would never not do a perfect job. And then also what was hard is even though they might have been smart in school, they have other uh, areas that aren't maybe up to the same par. And so a lot more was expected of the kids than necessarily they were able to to do. So one thing I think is for the parents to understand, read as much as they can or learn as much as they can about the students' needs, to encourage them and to challenge them and include them, but not get frustrated with their questions and responses and, and set limits with them, but not, not expect miracles all the time. Treat them as though they're regular people. You know, I could see that gifted children are going to think ahead and think much further into something than maybe I would. So all those questions might be hard for a parent to deal with. Definitely. And sometimes it's okay for a parent to say, I don't know, but I'll try to find out, you know, because parents aren't all knowing too, you know, or I'll try to, to help you with this if I can. And I love you just the way you are, you know, instead of having, um, expecting certain things that maybe a child cannot produce. Now, and also the parent could say, why don't we go to the computer and research that together? Absolutely. I mean, now that there's computers, not like when we grew up. Right, and they can find out more and be helpful. Also, right. should not, parents should try not to compare the siblings with the, them with their siblings as far as, uh, you know, how they do the work. Because each child is different, and sometimes the gifted kids go about things much differently than the other children. And so it's better if they take each child's as, as they are, or as he is. Well, you know, that sounds great, but I wonder how easy that is. And then there's the sibling who's not nearly as smart as the gifted child. It must be really hard for them. Right, and um, I actually just uh, had a case the other day where the girl said, well, I'm not as smart as my brother who's in the gifted program, and so I'm not expecting to go to an Ivy College, but I know my parents wish I could go to one too. I'm sorry about this. Mm. It's good for these kids to to realize that maybe maybe their their siblings have other talents, and that 
it's not like they're they're the same, but they all have each have something to offer each other and to love and accept them and not be jealous or anything like that. Yeah, I think it's really important when you have a gifted child to find what the other siblings are talented at and really make a fuss over that because it could be really hard to be in that shadow. Well, the other thing is sometimes it happens with the teachers because what could happen is the same family could have all different kinds of intelligence in the children. And so if a teacher has had a brother or sister who's gifted prior to this, they kind of think, oh, this is so-and-so, and and they're going to be exactly the same as the other one. And sometimes it's totally different. You know, they're not, they they can't work up to the same level and things like that. You know, Ellen, there's just so many aspects of that I didn't think about until we were talking about it. It's really interesting. And it's time for a break. So we're going to take a quick break, say thank you to our sponsors, and we'll be right back with Kid Fun and More on the Word of Mom radio network. Suit up, Connecticut campers, and join the bravest pack of pups around for the Paw Patrol experience only at Camp in Norwalk. Camp Stores has teamed up with Spin Master Entertainment to create a fully immersive themed experience of Paw Patrol. Designed for young families, Paw Patrol Camp features a series of interactive family challenges, fun skill-based activities, and theme-based crafts and theater programming for kids of all ages. Go to camp.com forward slash the dash paw dash patrol dash experience for tickets. She is brave. She is bold. She is you. And we want to tell your story. Are you ready to share your journey with us on Word of Mom Radio? Go to wordofmomradio.com and register as a guest. We want to tell your story because when you win, we all win. We all know a survivor. Some of our friends and family have made it through difficult times. Some of us don't make it. Losing a loved one to cancer, a car accident, or any other unfortunate event can be crippling and unavoidable. But one of the hardest subjects to talk about is suicide. Too often, our youth decide that leaving this place is easier than facing the struggle forced upon them every day. More than one in four children go through some form of bullying or another. Most of us survive with scars, but for some, the inner demons created cannot be recognized or treated in time to ensure they make it through. Bullying in every form is very much avoidable. It starts with me, and it starts with you. This is Kelly Carius from No Such Thing as a Bully, reminding you to do your part when you see bullying happen. If you don't know what that is, call 403-447-4404. Or go to nosuchthingasabully.com. Don't let the name fool you. Stadiumbags.com is not just for sports fans. Our clear bags make it easier for you to get into any venue that you go to. And in today's world where we are so concerned about germs, the materials that our bags are made with are strong enough to stand up to the solvents that you can use to clean your bag so you know you come home safely. So check out stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we are the clear choice, because safety, it's in the bag. We're back to continue our discussion with Ellen Sadaloff on Kid Fun and More on the Word of Mom radio network. So how do teachers accommodate when for their gifted students? Well, hopefully they can offer them some other work. Let's say the work is easy for them. 
to offer them some more challenging work that they could do. If it comes too easily, then they're bored. So it's teachers can try to have all different levels available, and that's it's hard for the teachers. Also, there are programs where sometimes in the school that will accommodate these kids and offer enrichment for them in particular. But these children I have found in groups especially need a chance to vent and ask questions and to feel like they're understood and not to feel like there's an oddity or, or something like that. It's complicated. The more we talk about it, there's so many different ramifications of having a gifted student in the classroom, in the home, and being a gifted person. Right. And, and yet, what a wonderful thing. Isn't that, it's, a, it's really yes. a blessing. So I would assume that a gifted student becomes a successful adult. Is that accurate? No, because sometimes what happens is sometimes they haven't developed and learned coping skills or handle their emotions or, you know, there's a lot of emotional components to being successful too, not just intelligence or, or a good work ethic. And so it happens that sometimes, and sometimes they're very successful, but sometimes they sort of get lost in the shuffle because they haven't learned other skills of communication with other people at work. Oh, and their socialization skills might be off because they kind of st- stood out. Exactly. Or they have their idea and somebody else, let's say their superior has a different idea, and it would be very hard for the gifted employee to give up what his or her idea is and compromise because you can kind of be stuck on what that person believes. And then if you're the other employee, not the gifted one, I could see there could be resentment if there's an attitude about, well, my idea is the best idea. Absolutely. Mm. So they have to learn to negotiate and compromise, which are skills that don't come necessarily with high intelligence. Is that something that you teach? It, it, what we do is uh, role play and act out the situation and say, how could it be done differently? And oh, that's that smart. The students practice so that they don't keep doing the same thing over and over again and trying to get their way instead of trying to listen to somebody else's and compromise. You know, that seems like an activity a family could do. Absolutely. Set up a situation and people, kids would role play it differently, even adults. Right. So that they understand that everyone has a different way of thinking. And especially if there's a effort to try to be accommodating for each other. Right. Yeah, that would that is really great to teach them. Why is it helpful to do group work and classroom workshops with gifted students? Some things have never been addressed. Academics might be addressed, but maybe their social skills or communication or going about not procrastinating those kind of things, sometimes the kids need tips for that. So the workshops are good because it addresses the particular issues. As far as the other thing, the groups are perfect, great because, first of all, I make sure that the kids feel safe and are trusting each other and will not, and it's confidential. And when kids, when it's like that, kids find such pleasure in, and a relief in being able to vent and say how they really feel instead of and sharing it with one another and also hearing each other's ideas on how to handle certain situations. It's a relief for some of these kids to have that. So I'm curious. So you have a practice and you work virtually, so anybody can connect with you. Do you do groups virtually as well, like these workshops? I haven't, 
but it doesn't mean I couldn't. <laughs> I usually do one-on-ones. And you do it with the child or the parent or the teacher? Whoever really is, is uh, looking for it. As Recently, I got a call from a girl I hadn't seen in a few years, and she said, you know, I miss you. Can we go back to, to, to counseling again? She said, because there's certain things that have come up, and I know that you can help me figure it out. And so it's very satisfying work, especially if the kids trust and know that you care, care about them and want the best for them. You know, I always say that going to a therapist is a gift or a necessity because it is so helpful to have a place to go where you can be you. You can talk about just what's bothering you without being judged, being supported. And understood. Really great. So I'm going to want you to give all your contact information. But before that, this is called Kid Fun and More. Tell me a memory you have of creative play when you were young. Of creative play when I was young? Well, what did you do? Like, I remember we used to write plays after school. A bunch of my friends would just write a play. I would say sometimes doing projects together and and create, let's say that we had an assignment and then we would do it together. And we'd all, I remember doing one on clouds and I did it with two other people. And we, we used cotton and we made the clouds and we had it look, you know, and colored it however, and had it look like, what the clouds look like. You know, it was creative instead of just talking about it. We made a big poster with the different kinds of clouds and explained. And sometimes when you put your heads together, if you've got a, several good heads going on there, it's really fun to do stuff like that. Another activity that I wanted to share and came out very successfully is stress balloons. Oh, tell me. I would have the students every year make a stress balloon. The stress balloon was a regular balloon blown up and kept overnight so that it would stretch out. And then to use a funnel and put flour in the balloon and tie a knot in the balloon and use it to for stress. Oh, mm-hmm. like a stress ball, but it's homemade. And they and they could decorate it with you know markers that wouldn't permanent make, markers. Yeah, so the uh, flour wouldn't come out, but. It, they really loved making stress balloons. Oh, I had no idea you could do that. Yeah, and the te- sometimes the teachers didn't like it because if a stress balloon burst in their class, it wasn't so much fun. But uh, I wouldn't like it if I were a mom. <laughs> <laughs> but it really did serve a purpose in showing different ways to deal with stress, whether it's deep breathing, whether it's squeezing a balloon, uh, whether it's taking a bath or talking in a group or whatever. We tried to to vary the different kinds of coping skills. Yeah, coping skills, that's great. Ellen, thank you so much for this time You're and welcome. for sharing your insight. And how can people reach you if they would like to virtually work with you? They could uh, reach me on my email, which is E-L-N-S-O-T-O at AOL.com. You know what, say it one more time, real slowly. E L N. Soto, S-O-T-O, at AOL.com. Okay. And also they call me on my phone. My number is 847-602-4969. Okay, say that one one more time, too. 847-602-4969. Wouldn't it be great if some people contacted you because... You are such an asset, and there's all kinds of family situations that people could benefit from spending a little time with you, or a lot of time. 
Thank you. Thank you. I did. I learned a lot. Thank <laughs> you so much. You're welcome. On behalf of everyone here on Word of Mom Radio and the Word of Mom Media Network, thanks for tuning in to Kid Fun and More. We're going to close with our fabulous theme song from Smith's Sisters Bluegrass. So, till next time, this is Charlotte Felcher. And don't forget to visit my website, kidfunandmore.com, for activities, information about my books, and much more. She is sure. She is sure. She is strong. She is strong. She is true. She is true.